Hello, friend. Welcome back to Meg Living Inside Out. This is episode four of our series on slow living. Unlearning the coping mechanism of frenzy. I am genuinely so excited for this podcast. Now, I have to be very intentional about making my voice very calm and very safe for you guys so that I can, through the sound (laughs) and the, the good vibes, if I can borrow the new age terminology for a minute and reclaim it for the practicality of what it is, I'm using my voice to teach you slow living, calmness, But it would be very easy for me to get excited and raise my pitch and raise my tempo and talk about how passionate I am on unlearning frenzy. Nervousness and excitement are the same thing to the body. And... As an interesting fact, both of those activities use up energy. And so something that I have to be mindful of in my health journey, uh, if you want to visit inversestream.com health for more information, and also the spelling of the word I'm about to say, um, I have a condition called cryptopyrrole. And what that means is that my body does not get rid of pyrroles very easily. And it means that I, my emotions hit the surface a lot faster than it does for people without cryptopyral. So a short fuse, um, becoming angry quickly, but it, that can also be confused with undermethylation, under which I also have, but that's by the by. Um, so I need to take extra zinc and extra B6 whenever I go through either nervousness or excitement or stress and that helps my body release the pyrroles so then I can have a more balanced emotional state and in the years before (laughs) um, knowing that I needed to take B6 and zinc I I only found this out about myself in 2016 um, I I got emotional very quickly, um, and that was part that ties into this whole process of frenzy, um, and and I'm oh, there's so many factors in how we live. The physical affects the emotional, which then affects the spiritual. However, the good news is that if the spiritual is in line, we can then direct the emotional and influence the physical. Now we may still go through life with physical difficulties and undermethylation and cryptopyral or something that I'm going to have for the rest of my life and that's I've learned to embrace that. There's plenty of folks with chronic illness who are learning to make the most of the suffering that God has entrusted to them and bring him glory 
in the process. Uh, I would not be who I am today without this mental health struggle. And every time someone is blessed and helped by my health journey or my mental health journey or the art that has come out of that journey, he is glorified. And that makes up for all 20 years of suicidal ideation. But I digress. If you're new here, one of my very favorite things to talk about is tangents and getting off on side tangents. So um, you're going to have to bear with me there. I'm somewhat more organized than I used to be. So what do I mean by this coping mechanism of frenzy? Well, I realized a month or so back that I was pressuring myself to put more things on my do list. And really, I could only reasonably accomplish two more things that day. But I was pressuring myself about, okay, what, what's going to come after that? What's going to come after that? What's gonna... And I realized, I don't need to do that. Huh. I'm just going to focus on these two things on my do list. And so I tweeted about it. Um, as I do when I have an observation that's helpful to me that I think might be helpful to others. Follow me at meglivinsideout.com. That's live without the E because it all fits just perfectly so in the Twitter regulation of usernames. And I, I stopped doing that, <laughs> number one. And it felt so much calmer to just focus on this is the next task in front of me. And then after that, I'm going to work on this. Today, I was walking the dog, as I do, and my neighbor's dog, to be specific. And I was talking with a friend, and I was talking about the pressure of the do list. But then it occurred to me that I was stressing myself out so that I would then have the energy to at least accomplish one thing on that list. And I realized that I was triggering my cortisol and adrenaline. Um, and historically, I actually had adrenal fatigue and burnout. I was, I was having hot flashes in May of 2016. Um, and I was very confused at first because, so whenever my emotions would rise, I would get a hot flash and I would have to go to the bathroom and cool myself down. And at first I thought it was because I was falling in love with my now husband. <laughs> um, but eventually I realized that this was a physical condition that I was experiencing and it didn't have to do at all with my heart emotionally. It had to do with my body chemically and therefore emotionally. The, your, when we experience emotions, it uses up energy, physical, chemical energy. I'm talking about the Krebs cycle. I'm talking about ATP. Now, I haven't taken science since I was 17 years old, 
but the Krebs cycle really turned out, uh, the, the Krebs cycle really stuck out to me. And I remember enough of it to know that it's very important. And you either have anaerobic or aerobic energy, and one of them produces lactic acid and the other one doesn't. And um, emotions use up energy. And so I was talking to my friend today, I realized that I would do the same thing when I would lay in bed and nearly make myself late for work. I wouldn't, I would wake up and then I would just lay in bed and not do anything until I absolutely had to get up and I had to try and repair some food and I had to get dressed and I had to get in the car and I had to get to work. And I remember asking myself in that season, why am I doing this? Wouldn't it be so much easier to get up earlier and go to work in a state where I'm not anxious or pressured? And I didn't know how to solve the problem. I didn't know what to do. (laughs) But since getting married and being on custom vitamins and I don't have to go to a job now Um, well to some extent I do have to go and walk the dog and he lives across the neighborhood and I regularly find myself getting there half an hour late so in that regard uh, nothing has changed not a lot has changed in the sense that I am still um, not correctly estimating the process of time and how long it takes me to get from one place to another. But thankfully, I am far enough along that while I'm biking to my neighbor's dog's house, I can mentally choose to not become anxious. And I, I know that the worst that's going to happen is that he might pee on the floor, in which case I will clean up the mistake. And the stakes are a lot lower, and so I don't have to stress myself about that. And so I'm making a conscious choice, even in making myself late, that I'm not going to become anxious, and I'm not going to activate my cortisol and adrenals. And again, doing that and making myself anxious was how I activated my adrenaline. So then, because undermethylation doesn't, and and cryptopyral, both of them, my body just doesn't make a lot of energy. And this has been a problem since I was taking ballet and my teachers said, oh, you have so much, you have such a great bar, but then you get in the center and you just deflate. And I'm like, I am always giving the best that I have. And the best that I have is at the bar. The best video of my technical prowess in dance was filmed before ballet class. Uh, 
I will do my utmost to remember to link that in the description. It's going to be a very heavy link podcast, you guys, so bear with me as I figure this all out. Um, but yeah, my best, my best technical video of myself was doing fouettes and a reverence before class because that was when I had the most energy and even in this God is glorified which I'm I'm still trusting him with the whole idea that my best physical years were enough I, I call it the, a John the Baptist moment of, hey, God, was that worth it? Um, hey, God, did I do that for the right reasons? Was that for you? Like, just, I, I, I'm, what was the point? Can you remind me what the point was? When we're doubting and questioning the effort that we put into something, when that was where God led us, you know, John the Baptist being faithful to call out Herod, who was a non-religious political leader for his sexual immorality of committing adultery with his brother's wife. I'm going to own this tangent for a second, but we have a lot of leaders in Big Eva who inappropriately value winsomeness. And to them, I say, be winsome like John the Baptist. (sighs) I've tweeted that too. So, John the Baptist was obeying God, and Jesus spoke of him that he was the greatest human being who ever lived. The greatest born among women. I mean... That's, that's basically Jesus saying that John the Baptist is number one. I just, well, second to God himself. And Jesus is God, obviously. But that's, that's a pretty high praise coming from the mouth of God. So I still struggle with doubt in regards to my dance years and that being fruitful in what it was supposed to be. But to get back to the topic of frenzy, I found myself questioning, why why am I doing this? Why am I rushing? And over the years, I think I eventually did get into some sort of rhythm of this is an adequate time to get up and this is an adequate time to get my clothes on. So I wasn't rushing quite as much but I certainly didn't (laughs) unlearn the habit of oh I'm awake let me let me get up and have a slow intentional morning let me make myself a cup of tea let me read a chapter in the word let me eat some food and sit down and savor it (laughs) and to be totally honest you guys I am still wrestling with this I laid in bed today until 11 because 
I wanted to crochet. There was a video podcast that I wanted to watch. And I just, I didn't want to get out of bed and be uncomfortable. (laughs) Uh, When I should have just put on pajama pants and maybe gotten myself a cup of tea and made some eggs. And so I am proclaiming this wonderful good advice from a life where my circumstances are making it so that I'm in a better place, but my self-discipline is still not truly taking the advice that I'm giving out. However, actually, in contrast, let me say, there have been mornings where I wake up at 7.30, six even. Wait, we just had a time change. So 7.30 this time is 6.30 previous time. So I was getting up at like 6.30 that time. 7.30 this time. Daylight savings is stupid. And I just started going and I made myself tea and I ate food and I started getting up and getting about the things that were important to me. And It's because I was taking my B12 and my supplemental zinc, and I have a really great zinc supplement that allows you to self-diagnose how much zinc you need, and in this day and age where getting tests are very expensive, um, this product is extremely beneficial, and so I will be linking that at inversestream.com slash health. and I, I do not recommend products lightly because I don't want to tell you what you should be taking. That is not my place. I am not a doctor. I am not even a chemist, you guys. Um, my mother has a background in nutrition, so that's where a lot of these resources have come to me secondhand through her. But she can also sit down and talk with a functional medicine doctor and talk shop. And they're saying words back and forth, and I'm just sitting there, and and I'm just like, I'm so glad to be in the room. I'm so glad that I have smart people who are able to help me. Um, And I know a lot of you guys are not in that position. Um, And so I am slowly but surely bringing together and aggregating resources that I know and I'm confident will help you very practically. So um, the self-diagnosing zinc supplement will be at inversestream.com health. And so when I have the biochemical resources and I wake up at a good time, I also find myself just getting up and facing the day. And I didn't have that in 2016. I, I didn't know I had no idea how deficient my body was. (sighs) Again, more information on that is at inversion.com slash health. But what can you do practically? Let's say that you don't have the medical resources and opportunities that I had and the the medical diagnoses that I have and therefore the resources to treat those. Let's say that you are living your life, trying to make the most of each day, and you're stretched to the brim. Let's say it's 
it's an effort for you to listen to this podcast. And I'm so honored at the folks who make the time to listen to my podcasts. I mean, we're 20 minutes into this and that means so much to me. For me personally, it's actually quite difficult to listen to podcasts. There's very few podcasts that I can listen to and I I don't quite know what that why that is, but I think it has to do with me having a very strong auditory memory. And so when sound comes in, it it hits my psyche and my brain very intensely. And if that sound is something that is going to overwhelm me intellectually or um, direct my thoughts and emotions in a way that where I'm evaluating somebody's foolish life choices or something like that, or I'm evaluating some really deep theological principle that normally I just accept the mystery of it, but there are theologians who their life's work is to search out the deeper things and the, 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 the truths of the Hebrew and the Greek that further emphasize the, the simplicity of the gospel. And listening to a podcast kind of in that family or a podcast where it's just chit-chat by people who I don't respect and then I'm making assessments of their character and their maturity. I, I, I can't walk with the wise and become wise. Those who walk with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. And that's in Proverbs. And you listening to me on, on this podcast, you are allowing me to be your companion and your friend, and I am so incredibly honored by that. So let's say that you are in a place where you are trying to just make the most of every day, and I applaud you for that. Keeping the fire burning is a worthy cause. Now I know that you might be going to bed and feeling like you weren't able to get ahead on anything. And that's a very discouraging feeling, and I'm very familiar with it. I lived hand-to-mouth for years. I mean, I paid a good part of money from my retail salary into my rent and into car repairs. And there were some years where I looked at my tax return and I thought about the money that I spent keeping my vehicle repaired. And I looked at God and I said, I don't even know how I did this. I don't know how I lived on this. Like, thank you for sustaining me, God. <sighs> Dr. Amy Apajan. Again, link in the description. Dr. Amy has been very helpful for me and my mom in learning about somatic technique and somatic therapy. Now, that's a big word, but let's break down the root. The root of the word soma simply means body. And again, this is either Latin or Greek. I forget. I'm not one of those smart people. I know some words, but that's mostly just because of frequency. So somatic therapy is scientifically based on what makes the body feel safe. And one of the things that I've noticed in 
conversations among the trauma-informed on Twitter is the body having memory. And there's an obsession about that. And I I get the sense from some of the, the tone that I hear that people feel trapped and paralyzed in the concept that this trauma has been done to them and now their body's going to remember it forever and they can't ever forget it. Friends, I have good news. You can unlearn your trauma. Your body can learn to forget the hurt. My first memory is of having a panic attack at five years old and hyperventilating and my throat constricting in tension because of fear. I had to relearn how to breathe and that tension in my voice carried on until my 20s. I didn't realize that that was a panic attack until my mid-20s. I remember And it very much affected my voice and how I spoke. I remember working at the shoe store and answering the phone. And my my voice was very much in the front of my mouth. It was very tense. It was very high-pitched. It was very anxious. (laughs) Let, Let me see if I can reproduce it. Thank you for calling the walking company. This is Meg speaking. How can I help you? Literally, it was that high pitch that far forward and one day my coworkers by the grace of God communicated to me that I didn't sound sincere it sounded fake it sounded put on and so I learned to say thank you thank you for calling the walking company this is Meg speaking how can I help you but even that was still very tense very high pace very stressed And, I mean, in my defense, I would sometimes work a six-hour shift on Sunday by myself. Six hours, and then that was when the store was open, but I got there maybe a half hour, hour before to count the till, and then I was there for however long afterwards putting away shoes. And so I was waiting on customers just one person, the same as a server, would wait tables. I've never worked in food service, but if I combine my experience from having multiple customers uh, in the shoe store and working at Starbucks, doing multiple drinks at a time and interfacing with customers and working with food, I I can kind of get an idea. So... It was also in that season when God began to release the tension in my forehead, in my throat. And I even, I vlogged about this in 2016 when I began to recognize that my voice, that God was changing my voice. I I didn't sound like this. And you can go to my YouTube channel, Meg, (laughs) youtube.com slash Meg living inside out. And if you go to the pruning years, you will see my earliest vlogs. And you'll get to hear my beginning stutters in learning to communicate on 
video and with my voice essentially as a talking head video but also getting more comfortable with my expressions my face accepting the way that God made me accepting the way that God created me to express and then trusting him to make me more holy as I do that and submitting my personality to him so that my and and submitting my my motivations and my my thought life and all of that to him so he can purify my thoughts purify my motivations and then when I do have strong impulse based expressions they are more likely to be holy and God glorifying I know this is a tangent, but I'm going to go on it. My church was coming back after COVID. And um, one Sunday, I saw someone in the pew in front of me who I hadn't seen in months. And I was so glad to see him. And as, as I made eye contact with him, I let off a little trumpet sound. And it was just reflexive. It was built into me. And I didn't, I could not have stopped and thought about that consciously if I wanted to. Again, it was reflexive. And I very quickly looked at my pastor for approval. Um, Because I've, I've butt heads with a few pastors in my time, more than a few pastors, and I've had to apologize to more than a few pastors. And my pastor just grinned and smiled and beamed at me because he also was so glad to see the flock returning. And my friend later said, I I wish you could follow me around and always announce my appearance with a trumpet (laughs) so that's kind of an an example of my reflexive personality in a good way and there's lots of other examples of that on my vlog channel that I'm not I don't remember how God glorifying they are so please just take all of that stuff with a grain of salt um yeah (laughs) There's, there's some things that I would go back and edit if I could, but also if I were to polish them, then they wouldn't be the messy example to you that they need to be. So, One of the things that Dr. Amy Apajan has taught me and my mom is that there are three things that you need to heal from trauma. You need time, you need energy, and you need safety. And I feel sad saying that because I know some of you are, again, in seasons where it is just go, 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 and you are just doing everything you can to keep the fire burning. And again, that is so worthy. Maintaining the status quo 
keeping the family fed and the dishes clean and clothes on the bodies and maybe your teenage son the clothes are not as clean as you would like for them to be but I mean unless they've been out mudding or gardening I mean how really how dirty are they um we are very very spoiled with our first century not first century words are hard um what's that uh first world problems we're very we're very we have first world standards for cleanliness and that puts a lot of pressure on us that to be honest i don't always think is right yes there is an ideal way of living but i have learned to focus on an adequate way of living adequate yes words are hard additionally i saw an instagram post from kathlyn's today and i'll link it in the description along with everything else and she made the observation that we put a great deal of prioritization on tidiness when the bible doesn't call us to tidiness it calls us to hospitality and it is more important to God that we invite people in to our messiness and make them feel loved and welcome than it is that we have a perfect, beautiful home. If you can have both, great, do that. But I'm not recording this podcast for people who have a lot of energy resources. So it is more y'all i have felt so loved there's a woman in my church she had two sons at the time and she has a third child now and she invited me over and i was eating leftovers on a paper plate and i can't even tell you how many times i've seen her home messy and i've seen her sink full of dishes and i have helped her with those things rosaria butterfield would absolutely endorse all of that her book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key, is all about radical hospitality, and I strongly encourage you to read it if you have the emotional energy for that. It's, it, it will absolutely break your heart at different points. Um, there's two that come to mind very quickly. No, wait, there's a third. Um, there's multiple things in that book that will break your heart. Um, and there's some awkward moments. I mean, loving people is hard and it's awkward and it's messy because we have sin natures and we we don't know we have these impulses that are that are rooted in our thought life and our motivation and it takes time to submit to the process of God sanctifying and purifying our thought life and our motivation and thereby our impulses. And so hospitality reveals a lot of that um, and the, the messiness of that and leaning into, hey, when you did that, that revealed selfishness here or that revealed a misconception there that is sinful and ultimately you need to repent of that and I'm sorry will you please forgive me yes I forgive you and that's that's why the grace of the gospel is so huge if we minimize our sin 
we minimize grace. And I'm sorry, I love y'all too much to do that. So you're going to hear a lot about both. And it's important that we emphasize them in a balanced and equal way. And then because we receive grace, it is then that we want to love God back by obeying his word, obeying his commands, submitting ourselves to the sanctification of our thought life, the sanctification and purification of our emotions. You know, when we feel something strongly, very oftentimes I will feel something strongly and I'll have to ask God, why am I feeling this? Why am I obsessing over this? I can tell I have an attitude that's not right. Can you show me the root of that so I can repent of it and be free? All of it. Sin, grace, good works. And the grace comes first and then the good works. Always, always, always. So... There are some things that you can do to make yourself feel safe. And one of the, there's two exercises from Dr. Amy that I will share, and they're very easy. One of them is if you are in a free state, and let's say that you are curled up in the fetal position in your bed. I did that in the corner of Starbucks, and that was being closed on three sides made me feel very safe in a season where I've had pretty terrible PTSD. Um, so first of all, being enclosed can make you feel safe, as it did for me. But one of the things that Dr. Amy has taught us is that you can focus on looking around and evaluating everything within eyesight and identifying if there's anything that will that is dangerous very very practical here is there anything that i can see that is dangerous now i am also the kind of person who i would look at scissors and i would have a panic attack because i was afraid of self-harm and i have grown out of that and i have learned to not let myself go down that mental train of thought. That is not an option for me anymore. Um, There was a really beautiful day when I unlearned that. And I was at the shoe store and I was opening by myself and I just, I saw the scissors in the pen holder at the front desk. And I just burst into tears. And I ran into the back room crying. The shop was was closed. We hadn't opened yet. I ran into the back room crying and I just, I had a meltdown. I had a panic attack. And I called a couple of friends and left some voice messages. And, you know, when they heard them, they prayed for me. Um, and the part-timer, Linda, called the store to check what her hours were. And I picked up and I said, thank you for calling the walking company. This is Meg speaking. How can I help you? And she talked me out of it. (laughs) She calmed me down. And I was able to go out to the store, open the doors, 
And let me tell you, friends, God threw money at me that day. I had, within moments, the tears were still wet on my face. I had customers walking in asking to buy the most expensive shoes in the store. And for those of you who care to know, they were Maasai Barefoot Technology, which was the rocking shoes, and they were $250 a pop in 2012. So, and I've owned a pair of those shoes. I got them on sale and they were wonderful. And they're fantastic shoes if if that's what your feet and your body needs. I don't recommend it for people with sciatica. (laughs) But by the by, I had people walking in the shoe store asking to buy the most expensive shoes that we sold. Tears were still wet on my face. And later on that day, I had a gentleman buy three pairs of those shoes. And then on top of that, give me a $100 tip. Now, when I worked for Banana Republic, they had a policy that you couldn't tip employees, but the walking company did not. And I took that tip. Um... And as I mentioned before, I was living hand to mouth and I needed it and praise God for it. Um, And we did make a little bit of commission, which helped. So that was a season. That was a moment where I, I had this meltdown and God just showed me that he loved me. And him throwing money at me was such an incredible blessing because... It reminded me that he owned the cattle on a thousand hills. And the stress that I felt in my ministry life of not having enough resources to do what I wanted to do. Y'all, I have spent hundreds of dollars, probably a thousand or two, over the years on this ministry. I, 2012 was the year that I started my blog, MegLivingInsideOut.net, and eventually I'm going to, that website has long been taken down, um, but that self-hosted WordPress taught me how to organize data and make pretty URLs and work with topics and tags, and I, I learned so much, and I wrote thousands of words on that website and it cost me money to put that up money that I never have made back ever I spent so much money on email systems I I I can't even tell you I've tried at least four or five email systems over the years now a couple of them were free trials but definitely at least two of them were not and I had that subscription service for months and I finally realized this is not working and I went to a free option and it is only now um, in my art journey that I have the free Psalm 23 coloring pages to give away in exchange for a person's email address and I have a welcome series that is going to be literally months long is going to nourish and minister to people. And yes, I'm about to spend $40 a month, 38 specifically. I'm about to spend $38 a month 
on that email service to give away free coloring pages. But I've also been praying about having an email list for 10 years. So God throwing money at me in that season meant a lot to me and it meant that my struggles were not in vain. And the money that I was spending to learn, the money that I was spending to quote unquote make mistakes, and I had, I am saying this for all of y'all who are burned out right now because I did not plan to go this hard on this tangent, but I'm glad you're here, I'm glad you're listening. Hang with me. I got chewed out one time by a counselor who was of the Dave Ramsey persuasion. And I'm not blaming Dave Ramsey for this personally. I've listened to his podcast and found it very helpful and not judgmental, actually. But this counselor judged me harshly for spending money on my dance films. He did not get it, and I am very thankful that I do not know his name, and let me just tell you, he did not help me. He did not help me at all. And he tried to give me this piece of paper and help me to think through a budget, and I'm just like, this is not how my brain works, and this is not helping me. Now, um... Ben's family has worked with a ministry called CompassOne.org, and it is a very, Dave Ramsey's very practical, and there's a place for that, great. CompassOne.org, they have free Bible studies that they will do with you over Zoom to walk you through their material, and this could be a saving grace. Some of y'all, this could save your marriage. I do not say that lightly. I have been in this Bible study, not for the entirety, but for a portion. And this Bible study so deals with our heart attitudes towards money and our mindset towards money and what hidden idolatry we don't know that we have until scripture reveals it to us and metaphorically i don't know if you've ever done this but in the garden if you have a rock on the ground and it sits there for months and months and months and months and it kills the grass underneath and then you've got bugs underneath and you pull that rock open it reveals all the bugs underneath that rock and that's what the scripture does that's why we have to be in the word And if you and your spouse can get in these free Bible financial counseling Bible studies, it will change your marriage. It will change your life. Additionally, it's often led by men. And to be totally honest, ladies, men need to be called out by men. Yes, there's a place for us to confront our husbands, but when there's hardness of heart and there is an area where we have been fasting and praying for a while, and I encourage you to fast and pray for your husband, even if you're not fasting from food, fast from social media, fast from chocolate, fast from sugar, something. And let me promise you, as soon as you start fasting, 
from chocolate or anything else, it will show up in your life for free in droves. Oh, I brought some chocolate to the office today. I brought some chocolate to the classroom today. And in your resistance of, no, I am not going to eat that chocolate because I am asking God to show up and do a work and set people free and reveal lies and pour in his truth. Read Isaiah 58, y'all. It is life-changing. So, my husband and I very much appreciate compass1.org. And this financial counselor from the Dave Ramsey training was very pragmatic and it didn't help me. Um, And Compass One has very practical advice as well. I mean, they have a, they have a spreadsheet on their website where it'll estimate, you know, if you are a single person or if you are a married couple, here's what percentage of your income you should be spending on this. Here's what percentage of your income you should be spending on this. And to be totally honest, guys, that would have really helped me because it would have given me a guidepost and a a framework to work from. Now, even still, I was probably paying way more in rent than that guidepost recommended, but it would have validated me that I was spending a lot in rent because South Florida is expensive because insurance is expensive because hurricanes are expensive (laughs) like no one anywhere invents money except the federal government and they cannot invent value that's your power believe it or not it is within your power to create value now the psalm 23 coloring pages are a great example and i'll be the first to tell you that I did not come up with that idea myself. God entrusted that to me. I am a steward of that idea. And I have created, God through me has created value and now I'm able to share it with people. Um, And same with my stickers. He is the one who wrote the captions for all of my stickers. And believe it or not, there are quite a number of of, of captions and symbolism and meanings among that collection that make me very uncomfortable. The teapot is all about contentment and patience and waiting for fulfillment. The teapot is spicy. I mean, it it is like hot chai. The tea is very hot. Um, The feather sticker has, I've wrestled with that a lot of accepting how God made me. This reflexive, loud, impulsive personality that God created making peace with that has been hard y'all and I I recorded a podcast at some point somewhere about having idolatry over both idolatry and jealousy and judgment over people with more reserved personalities and the real irony of it is that God is actually changing me to be more reserved and so I'm actually going to get to experience what it's like to be a reserved personality and love people intentionally even though I'm not feeling affection but knowing instinctively okay logically in this situation this is what they're feeling and 
I know that this would probably minister to them, so let me do that. And logically empathize. Like God God is God is doing a work in me, y'all, and it is for his glory. Um But I say all that and I tangent very hard to say this. God is gonna get you through this season. You are not alone. He, for many of you, he's brought you to this wilderness. And you're looking at him saying, God, I didn't sign up for this. And he says, I know. I know you didn't sign up for this, but I am breaking you so I can rebuild you. I am breaking you so that I can redeem your suffering and your pain and your toil and your struggle. Trust me. We don't get to see in the process how he's going to redeem it. That's, that's why we have to have faith. We have to trust that that redemption is coming. I remember laying awake at night, 17, 18 years old, and saying, God, you have to redeem this. Everything, I have tried to obey you, and I'm getting nothing but heartache and trauma right now. And you have got to redeem this. There are some other things that we can physically do to help calm our body. And when we calm our body, it has this way of also calming our mind. Now, I talked in the first episode of this series about um, episode one of Learning Slow Living. The first link in the description will be inversestream.com slash podcast slash learning slow living. No inversestream.com slash podcast slash slow dash living and there will be the link there for the first episode and um these things are a little bit spread apart on the release date it's intermingled with the friendship series and if you're listening on spotify everything will be color coordinated but if you're not listening on spotify i recommend that you just go to the link and listen to the first episode So in the first episode, I talked about um, how singing actually calms the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is what connects the stomach to the brain. And the stomach is actually what tells the brain how we're feeling. So this whole gut instinct thing, there's there's some science behind that. Um, And also as we walk closer with Jesus, he guides our gut instinct, which is glory, I love you, thank you, Jesus. But there's a lot of times where our gut instinct can be pointed in the wrong direction and get us in a lot of trouble. And I've, I am not going to beat myself up by thinking about that. Um, and I would encourage you to remember that there is grace for that. There is so much grace for that. Jesus died so that you wouldn't have to bear the cost of that. Now, there are some of you who are walking in seasons where you're enduring consequences of sin that you have committed. And that's that's how God trains us and teaches us. And even in those consequences, whatever they may be, Look for God's mercy. I can't tell you how many times 
and suffering consequences or watching friends very close to me suffer consequences, God has shown up with mercy. And I truly believe he he tailors those consequences exactly to what we need. And so even in this, trust God with the struggle. Trust God with the consequences and trust him that he will redeem your sin and he will redeem these consequences and he will be glorified. And one of the mysteries of life is that in bringing glory to God, we find joy. That makes us happy. And that's why there's such an emphasis in the Christian faith about God using us. And we're not being used in the same way that someone would you know, take a piece of machinery and, um, and, and dig around in a garbage dump. He's not using us for shameful purposes. He's using us in the same way that someone would knead in a bread bowl. He's using us in the same way that you would make a, a pitcher of, of lemonade or iced tea and you would serve that with some ice cubes to your friends on the front porch. Simple hospitality, so much meaning, so much welcome, so much joy. One of the other ways that we can find safety is in... Um, if you are in an enclosed room, close the door and take your fingers and touch the wall and walk around that room and touch every wall. And then when you hit full circle, go back around again and touch the furniture pieces and recognize that this room is enclosed There's nothing here that can hurt you. Um, If you feel like there's something under the bed or in the closet that might jump out and scare you, look under the bed. Open the closet and rummage around and get to the back of the closet and touch all of the things around so that you know that there's nothing there that can hurt you. Safety is very practical. And every time that I do that episode, exercise from Dr. Amy Apajan, I end up releasing so much tension, especially in my hips and my low back. Um, Another exercise that's very helpful is um, breathing, very deep breathing. And um, the science on this has really been studied most by Wim Hof, who is also known as the Iceman. Um, And Again, I'm going to leave a link to his some resources from him in inversestream.com slash health because that's a very physical thing. Um, but breath is the Lord's. A lot of New Agers are the ones who emphasize breathing. And a lot of people who come to Christianity out of the New Age, and oftentimes people go into the new age trying to find safety and healing from trauma. 
we don't understand how important breathing is as Christians. I don't think most people understand as Christians. But may I remind you, God invented breathing. It's right there in Genesis. And I also love the passage of scripture in Ezekiel 37, where Ezekiel, in a vision, walks through this valley and sees all of these dry bones. And these are people who are suffering the consequences of their rebellion against God and their culture's rebellion against God. And we are very much in a season of a culture rebelling against God. And let me tell you folks, it's not going to be pretty. It is not going to be pretty. I've been very concerned for a very long time. So, but even in that, we have nothing to fear. Because God always prepares beforehand. And even in the hardest suffering and struggle, he prepares a way for us to stand up in it. So breathing is very important. And the New Agers do not have a corner on that market. I will fight anyone in the streets who say that the New Agers own breathing. Um, so I strongly encourage you to slow your breathing, take deep breaths, breathe all the way into your stomach. Um, your body is all connected. Take some time to stretch. You know, bend your knees and and just relax your knees a little bit and bend all the way over and maybe put your hands on the ground or put your hands on the shin and just breathe in deep and feel the stretch in your hamstrings. And as you breathe into the tension and hold that tension and then you breathe out, that tension will slowly release. And when your hamstrings are not as tight, your low back will not be as tight. And when your low back is not as tight, your pelvis is the foundation. Well, your feet is the foundation of your body, but your pelvis is the foundation of your torso. And your ten the tension in your body travels, travels along your spine. And my mother had a terrible back. Um, and it is the grace of God that I took ballet and put meat on my bones because otherwise I would have the same physical problems she did. She was in her mid-30s in excruciating pain because she had no muscle mass. Um, I have often found that tension will zigzag up the body. So if you've got a spot in your, in your low back on the left side, then if you go up a little and you go to the right side of your spine you'll have tension there and maybe you won't have so much in your middle your thoracic I've got some rib heads that keep coming out um, and so I need to strengthen my muscles to teach my rib heads to go back in <sighs> I was training a puppy and I put it on my shoulders and it was a good-sized puppy um, and that will then affect your neck and the way that your head attaches to your body and the way that your head attaches to your body affects the muscles in your skull around your skull and then getting headaches so i'm going to get off this 
podcast at some point. I just I keep adding time to the clock because that's what this podcast is supposed to be. Um, but I'm going to go to the chiropractor. And actually, um, there's a chain called The Joint. Just Google The Joint. Um, and they're all around the United States. And you can get in for a flat fee and no insurance. And between you and me... I think that avoiding the bureaucracy of healthcare is the future. So, free the market, y'all. But anyways, so those are some ideas that I have. Um, Again, singing is very important. And moving your body. um, I wish everyone could go in the backwoods and sing some worship songs at the top of their lungs without fear of judgment and just pour their heart out before the Lord. Um, Hopefully doctrinally sound worship songs, but just singing with our gut and raising our hands. There's a reason the Bible tells us to clap and to dance and to sing and to shout. These things are part of our health and I love the, the, the reformed branch of believers but we're weak in this area we, we, we need to put on some muscle in loving God with our emotions and with letting our emotions show in our body and um, that's, that's really important and there's a way to do that that is submissive to the Holy Spirit and doctrinally accurate. So I would encourage you to figure out a way to worship God in your home with worship music and just pour your heart out before him and connect your body to that worship. So important, y'all. I have been talking for a while. Um, but I hope that this podcast has given you some ideas Um, one of the other ways that I've recognized that we put ourselves in a frenzy is getting ourselves emotionally worked up. Now, I read somewhere that a woman would actually insult herself and use very harsh, negative self-talk in order to make herself angry, so then she would have energy to clean her house. That is not healthy. Okay. I found myself doing this in order to have the energy to get up and do things. <sighs> Y'all, I I will still get out of bed to create beauty, to share beauty. It is so innately wired in me. I will I will last week I was laying in bed thinking about, I really ought to get up and do this, I ought to get up and do that, but it wasn't until I thought of something beautiful or meaningful or some wisdom I wanted to share or I need to text that person that I got out of bed. So my emotions, and again my adrenaline, is still part of my energy system and my energy economy, so to speak. And I would encourage you to recognize the areas where you're doing that and try to find a substitute. 
So for me, I have found a podcast that will make me laugh very consistently and it'll give me happy things to think about. But also if I tune out and then I tune back in, it's not so thoughtful and comprehensive that I will have missed anything and had to go back. That's another huge problem I have with listening to podcasts. I just, sometimes my mind will wander. Um, so I found a podcast I can listen to. Um, it's, it's called What Have You. It's two sisters talking about homemaking and raising their kids, and it is fantastic. And they're very honest about this whole process of, I need to get back into this system, and I do not have more energy for this. Um, and here's an energy-efficient way that I'm doing that. I love it so much, and I don't even have kids. So, um, so try and find substitutes. And I, I wish I could go back and tell my younger self, find easier ways to wash your dishes. <laughs> Don't let it turn into pond scum. And I did. I would go months without washing my dishes and there would be pond scum in my sink and it was disgusting. And I can't even tell you how many friends came over and helped me clean my dishes. But at a certain point, I had to learn to get out of that rut for myself. And when we learn to have the self-discipline, um, another the, the phrase that we see most often in scripture is self-control. We, we grow character muscle. We grow in wisdom. And we are able to think more clearly and act more wisely and find better ways of doing things so that we can love people better and in that, in doing so, love God. Because part of loving God is loving the people next to us. And a huge way that I need at this moment to, to love God is to go and clean my living room. <laughs> uh, because I had some depression a few weeks ago and it got kind of trashed. So, yeah. Thank y'all for hanging out with me. If this podcast has given you something to think about, something you need to work through and process, I would encourage you to click the link in the description. Inverstream.com slash podcast slash slow dash living. There will be a web form there that will connect you with a digital mentor and this is not a professional counselor this is simply a Christian who wants to encourage you thank you so much for listening my name is Meg I love my Jesus and I believe in living inside out now it's your turn live it